Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we really love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. Super excited to welcome Karen Walker to the show today. Thank you for being here, Karen. I'm so excited, Susan. I appreciate you having me. You bet. You bet. So many of my guests I do not know. Um, some I do. Uh, I rarely have like my best friend on because, you know, I already give shout outs to people I know and love every day. So I created this podcast to give a voice to women I would love to know and I would love to share with my community. So Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. Well, just to say, I think we were introduced by a mutual friend. Um, so I hope at some point in time, we'll be able to have a, an actual face-to-face -face cup of coffee and um, see where that goes. So uh, that's always that. the best way, right? I, I hope uh, that we're released from this someday so that we can absolutely do that. That's right. Who knew uh, several months ago, this was, uh, we'd be in a place now where uh, that wasn't possible, but things will be better at some point. They will. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so just a little about me. I um, have a varied background. I'm an industrial engineer by degree. Uh, I was very fortunate in that I went to work for a startup um, back in the day when there weren't many startups in Houston, Texas, uh, that turned out to be the fastest growing company in American history. And wow. of course, we didn't know that at the time. Uh, but I was employee 104 at Compact Computer. And I was a global vice president there in charge of all the global physical infrastructure which wasn't a very big deal at 100 people because we didn't, hadn't shipped any products and didn't have any revenue yet. Um, but I was fortunate to, to be able to grow with the organization and grow my organization um, so that I, I left 14 years later when we had about 15 billion in revenue and about 17,000 employees. Wow. So I, had, so I, I had, remember I, Compaq. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. Amazing company. Huge. I mean, right up there with the big names. It's one of the big names. Um, that's really incredible. It, it, it was. It was an amazing, you know, sort of Cinderella story from, from nothing to Fortune 100 company where we were for quite a long time until uh, assumed by HP after I left. Uh, but I left there. Um, at some point, it just got to be another big company. Um, and I didn't want to do the same thing every day for the rest of my life, which was, you know, the Thursday morning, 10 a.m. meetings and the Tuesday afternoon, 3 p.m. meetings that were like on your <laughs> calendar forever. Yeah. So um, I left and I moved to New York City to figure out what I wanted to do next. I was really, you know, again, fortunate that I was able to do that, sort of have a self-funded sabbatical. Took some classes at Columbia and um, met my now husband, who was a Ph.D. psychologist. So between my engineering and business background and his psychology background, we, we um, have a pretty broad um, scope when we look at things. And he was doing consulting with um, CEOs and their teams. And uh, we decided to A, get married and B, work together, spent some time doing life work planning. And, um, and we, st we started a company uh, where the two of us were consulting. Uh, he's gone on to do other things. Um, we're still married, but he's not working with me anymore. Uh, and I've been um, continuing to consult with CEOs and the leadership teams now for, I guess, going on uh, two decades I've been doing this. Uh, and it's been a really rewarding career. Um, I work with people that I like that are growing really fast. They have interesting 
interesting issues and challenges in front of them. Uh, and I have many clients that I've worked with for multiple years, um, which is something that um, is really meaningful to me to be able to work with someone um, in different situations over time. Um, so yeah, basically I'd I'm like advising to CEOs say, and senior leaders. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to probably overlap with you a little bit, make it conversational. I want to say that what a dynamic duo you and your husband sound to be. Um, that's incredible. Uh, I love that you bring every aspect to the table that every C-suite needs to know and needs to engage in, but are often afraid to, um, you know, engage in. I'm sure you know, you teach them how to ask the right questions and so forth and so on. But how fun to work with your husband and do great things. I just wanted to say that's pretty awesome. Oh, yes. We always said it was fun, except when it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> when she was bad, she was horrid. Huh? That. That's right. <laughs> that's so funny. I get you. I mean, I have a small taste of that now um, with my husband working from home. So Berkeley is upstairs and City Hall is outside this door. So we are, uh, yeah, in, in each other's business all day. But that's, that's incredible. Great. So tell me more about what, well, first of all, continue your story if you wish, but I'm, I'm super excited to know what was your proudest professional accomplishment throughout this robust career? Yeah, well, I, I know you ask, you're you asking for one, but I would love to give you two. So oh, I'll answer sure. a little way here. So because I've had two such different careers, I mean, clearly one is built on the other, but in my, my big corporate career, certainly my 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 proudest accomplishment was the, the growth um, of my team to support the explosion, really, that, that Compaq was. I mean, we did $111 million in our first year. Wow. We were the fastest to a billion. Uh, it, it, was, it was incredible. We were hiring hundreds more people every month than we forecast. Not hundreds of people, but hundreds more than we forecast. Wow. And I mean, there's just no way to, to really even now look back on that and grasp my head around it. But, but the ability to put a team together and uh, help them function in a way that supported that success, because everything at that size company that you do or don't do really has an impact. <laughs> And um, so I was I'm particularly proud of that. But post-compact, um, I think my, my proudest accomplishment has been the repeat clients that I've had who have reached their goals. They've had, in, in many cases, it's been successful exits from their business. So a merger, acquisitions, uh, IPOs, um, but something that was their long-term goal that we helped create. Or sometimes it's just they wanted to grow a company that was a that was successful financially, but also a good place to work. And I think those things go hand in hand. So um, that would be sort of from a from a consulting standpoint, I'd say my my proudest accomplishment. Both of those are incredible, and they are very different. But how amazing that you were able to grow a, a team exponentially and still manage it. You know, so sometimes that kind of growth at that pace can be unruly, but it sounds like you did a great job and you loved what you did. And now I can relate totally as a consultant that my favorite thing would be uh, when clients align their own reputation right. with mine and refer work. So that's incredible. You're amazing. You're exactly the kind of woman I want on my show. <laughs> well, again, thank you for having me. I will say I was not an amazing manager uh, in the early days. I had, I, you know, I had no idea. Uh, but I think the fact that I had all the aha moments about you get better results if you do A instead of B, even though it was counterintuitive to me at the time, 
I mean, that's part of what's um, certainly helped my consulting practice because I've, I've been there, done that. I've been on the other side of the table. Um, yeah. And I had a lot of, lot of learning from that. Well, that's what we say. We win or learn, right? We never lose. Mm. So Beautiful. I think a good manager who then transitions to a great leader is one who is not uh, someone who's never failed. Because if you've never made an error, then you're certainly not innovative enough, in my opinion. So um, learning from those lessons and how to better manage in both projects and people is great. So that, that's <laughs> what made you a leader, I'm sure, partly. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you've never made an error, you have a big blind spot. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, right. Um, uh, yeah. Sometimes the error is not taking the risk or something. So, yeah. I agree. And we're entrepreneurial in our spirit. So we are mm. uh, risk tolerant. I mean, I put my toe in the water a couple of times um, and had it bitten off a few. <laughs> too. But um, let me ask you this, who inspired you along the way? I'm sure you're a mentor to many, including your clients. Um, but who was a mentor and inspiration to you? Mm. Well, I'll say I got, I got most of my inspiration and in mentoring through books early on. Oh, I love it. Um, I didn't, I've never had a formal mentor in my career. I have had or did have um, an amazing boss at one point along the way. Uh, and um, that made a big difference to me. Um, but I, I would say two things, one, or actually two people, both of whom were, were clients and who have become real friends. Um, and because they are also professional business people, they also understand um, they're, they're out in the world, they've had lots of different experiences, and they know me really well, that we're able to have the kinds of conversations between us uh, where I think I would think of it sort of as co-mentoring. And um, that's been particularly useful for me because you, you always need someone who can help you see bigger than you're able to see yourself, Some, someone to help you think bigger. Yeah. Um, I've also recently joined a mastermind group uh, where there's a group of us from all over the world. There's six people now. Um, and that's one thing we really push ourselves with is uh, not just how to do things differently, but what could be done differently. And why? I wanted to say your friends that uh, are clients that are now friends, it sounds like a little think tank you have going on right there. So um, in my work, what I do for a giving, these podcasts is what I do for a giving. Um, I'd like to think of some of the experts that I interview as my new resource of masterminds. So you're mm. on the list, ladies. So don't be surprised <laughs> if I call you one day and say, I have a question. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. I love that you said books. Okay. So I'm totally a nerd. I'm a voracious reader. I've been reading books before it was cool. Oh, wait, it's never been cool. Um, <laughs> but it is my first love. Books um, truly, you know, and they do love you back. I mean, you can travel through books, you learn through books. But on that note, what book has been most impactful or maybe most memorable to you? And then I'm going to ask you, what are you reading now? So, yeah, so, um, well, Many, many books, hard to choose. I mean, I could just, I'm, we're not we are not video, but if we were, you would see hundreds of books on the wall behind me. Great um, answer. I love and, that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I would say one that's been particularly useful for me that, um, I'll give you two, that one might not think about. One is just a, a book of verse by, by Lao Tzu. 
It's called oh, yeah. uh, Wahush, Wahushing. So he's famous for another title, right? But um, this this book, I just happened to pick up when I was think, contemplating a transition out of compact. And the verse in it is was just, it just spoke to me. And so I actually still have a copy on my desk here 20 years later. Nice. Um, but a business book that has spoken to me that I've actually used a lot with my clients. Uh, I don't know this guy. I've never met him. His name is Terry Bacon. And he wrote a book called The Elements of Power. And one of the things I love about this book is that it was a blind spot for me. I'm very achievement motivated, but not very power motivated. Same. And so I didn't know a lot about power. And he talks about I think it's 11 different types of power, individual power, organizational power, resource power, um, how, to, how to think about whether you have it or not, whether you need it or not in your role, um, and then how to go about getting it if you don't have it. And um, I, have, I have used that both personally um, as well as, as I said, with many of my clients. Um, and it's been, uh, been very useful. So I would recommend that to people for sure. Well, I'll put that in our um, blog that we write about you, but I'm going to buy that book. I always love to get, uh, pick the brains of these amazing women that I have on my show and ask about, you know, that's not a question I ask in advance of the show. It's just something that is passionate. I'm, a, I'm passionate about reading. So mm. um, any book recommendation that you would make, I would probably be very interested in. So <laughs> I'll purchase Elements of Power for sure. Um, let me ask you this. So, um, you know, along the way, you said books have inspired you and your clients, I'm sure, have inspired you. And now this mastermind group will also inspire you. Um, how do you think you can or we can or maybe you would advise me to uh, lift other women in business? It doesn't have to be ginormous. It doesn't have, to, you know, anything. It'd be day to day. What can we do differently to help support women in business? Yeah, what a great question. Uh, I think the, f the first part of that answer is just to pay attention. Right when uh, when I was coming up through the ranks, as I said, I was an engineer. I was the only and often the first female in my classes in college. I went to a school that had been uh, an, an all male school uh, until just a couple of years before I joined. Um, and I didn't realize when I got in the work world that everyone. I just didn't think about people having different experience than I had, and so I wasn't attuned to the fact that women were struggling in ways that men weren't because I was just to put your head down and get it done, which wasn't always the right answer, by the way. Um, so, so, so first, and I, I really make an effort to do this now, is just to pay attention on a systems level about what's going on, because that will um, give you clues about what the individuals in the system might be going through. Um, and then the second piece of advice is just making time. Now, clearly you do that, right? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 10 o'clock every day. <laughs> that's right. You do that. Uh, but but make time uh, to to reach out to women. Uh, you have to make that just part of your part of your weekly process. Is how can I how can I reach out to someone who looks like they might need support? Um, or sometimes it's just reach out to someone and say hi, and maybe they don't need support, but you end up getting support from them. Um, but I think just making those connections so that people feel comfortable and safe talking with you about things that are going on um, is is the way that I do it anyway. I think that's great advice. First of all, folks, she just gave us tips that are, um, there's no excuse not to do those things. Those are not out of our realm of possibility or capability or ability. Um, we should be doing that. Pay attention, listen with empathy, 
be there to serve others. And in, in doing so, you just may serve yourself. I mean, look at what I do for others. And now I've met this remarkable woman, Karen Walker. She's now in my network. If I have a question, I feel confident I could ask her and her answer would be spot on. So let's pay attention and give a little bit of ourselves and a little bit of our time to other women. And I say other women, um, but I also pay lots of attention to allies in our fight for equity in the workplace. Uh, but women definitely need that um, outreach, you know, not a handout, but an outreach. So yeah. thank you, but that's I, I think, super. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, it's particularly true for, for women in, in some industries, for sure. I do a yeah. lot of work in the tech industry, for example, and women are, you know, across the board, underrepresented um, and many of them work in what I call an unhealthy work environment so you know there's an antenna that goes up there to start with but I also see other people you know I see people of um, I see women I see men I see um, uh, people who don't identify either way uh, who, who struggle uh, because they are different in some way from whatever the norm is at the business uh, and I I'm always working with clients to help them understand that if you have people who are different from the norm, that is an advantage. It's not easy. It's like when my husband and I were working together, right? We come at things from a very different perspective, but it made the results stronger. And if you can believe that, then you'd be willing to go through the work of working with someone who's different than you are in any way. Um, and if you don't believe it, then you won't put that effort in. So really helping, helping the system see that. Yeah. So you're now talking to what I do for a living. You're, you're reaching right in and touching my heart with this, um, you know, but it not only touches my heart, these are the things that if you implement and do and engage in, like it used to be considered fluffy to say curiosity is actually a strategy in business, but um, truly these right-minded things um, in, if you incorporate the whole new mind as Dan Pink would call it into your work and you engage in curiosity, you will combat bias and you will have a you know broader global worldview. Um, I, I find I teach a lot about comms theory, so terror management mm. and muted group and all these various theories. One of those things is people say, Oh, she doesn't fit in here. Well, what does that mean? She doesn't look like you, act like you, didn't go to your school, um, doesn't dress like you do. She, you know, she checks the boxes on what's required to get the job done then I should never hear that phrase, she doesn't fit in here. Um, again, curiosity is quite a powerful strategy for um, engaging in inclusive diversity, not just diversity where you check the box of all the you know women and other minorities are on board. It's not just quantitative. But I love that you said that. I mean, that's probably, you just hit me, right? That's, that's I so resonate with what you just said. Yes. And I'll, I'll resonate back with the word curiosity. And that is a, a competency that I advise people to hire for. Awesome. Um, yeah. If you can, if you can hire people who are both curious and action oriented, uh, that's a pretty good combination, right? We all, I certainly have times when I can just get lost in my curiosity. Um, and I have worked with people and knowing myself that I can just take action sometimes, but to have both of those things so that you're curious about what's going on around you and then willing to take action about it. Yeah. Uh, that's powerful. And I, I know there are some industries, so, so tech for sure, you have to be curious. We'd have no innovation if you weren't. 
But in some industries that are considered old school, highbrow, white shoe, like law firms, for example, they don't want you to be curious. They want you to put your head down, do as you're told, and just do as they've done it for the past, you know, 100 years in that particular place. So um, they're not very progressive or forward thinking or curious. And that has to change. So I love that, that you incorporate that in your advice to clients, regardless of industry, um, that curiosity is a very powerful strategy and should be, you know, at the top of your list of things to do and then act on it. Um, I want to ask, yes. have you ever read Feminist Fight Club? No. Okay. It's a little off color. She, she curses a lot. But she's very funny. Um, but it's got a lot of great stories for um, women in tech to learn from. So it's a book that I use that I refer to. She's got a reading guide that goes along with it. Um, mm -hmm. Jessica Bennett is her name. So there's my little book recommendation for you since you're a lover of books as well. It's called. Feminist All right. I made a note and I, and I will make a um, spot on the shelf. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let me ask you this. You've had a really great career and it sounds so, I mean, I would love to learn more about you. Even off this podcast, we should continue our conversations. Um, but I want to know some of what uh, was on the learning side, not, you know, winning. Yes. But what about the learning? Um, have there been any challenges or setbacks? That you've overcome and what did you learn from that yeah so this is a question I appreciate you sharing with me in advance because I I really wanted to think about my answer to this um, because I'm, I'm always looking for patterns and <laughs> information so I really just took some time to reflect back on, uh, on my career with that lens and what I what I found was not surprising. Um, I'm I'm always working with people to understand that progress is not a straight line, right? We don't we, we very rarely go from A to B. Right. Uh, it's there's a lot of ups and downs uh, in all of that. And I realized that it it's really those those downturns, uh, what, the what you might consider a challenge or a setback that have propelled the the biggest growth. Um, one of the activities I'll do if I work with like a leadership development client, someone who's, who's, not, uh, who's ready to be a senior leader um, in everything except um, some of these core competencies and skills that we might think of as soft skills, but which are necessary beyond the technical uh, to get work done uh, with other people. Um, and so I'll often have them do a lifeline where we look at sort of what were the highs and lows of your life. And it's remarkable how those lows propel you to the highs. And for me, they, you know, they were the downturns. And even compact with its amazing growth, um, you know, like eight, eight or nine years in, the market changed, uh, and we had a downturn in our business. And I had to fire eighty-something people from my staff uh, on right. one day. You know, it was a, it was a big, impactful moment for me. Um, in two thousand one, uh, you know, I was working almost exclusively in tech then and small tech and a lot of those companies just went away which was challenging for uh for me personally of course because i really think a lot of my clients but then also uh, professionally because i have a lot of clients that were gone um and so i think it's these you know really being able to uh, to pay attention to something bigger than the moment that you're in uh, when the moment that you're in can seem uh, pretty uh, horrific um, in many ways, you know, I just always remind myself that I've, I've got the ability to, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I have a, a skill set um, which is broad, and I have the ability to put food on the table 
Um, and I know, I mean, even in this moment with the global pandemic going on, that is not true for everyone. I have, I have friends and, um, and colleagues who are, you know, really scrambling. They've, they've had to uh, do extraordinary means just to keep a roof over their head during this time. And I know that as the economy bounces back, that will, that will come back too. It'll just be different than what we thought the straight line was going to look like. And the, the way that I've managed to get through all of that, I think just to go back to the book that I mentioned that was so impactful for me, this Lao Tzu book, um, is my, I'm a Zen Buddhist and my, my meditation practice is really what has gotten me through each and every one of those downturns, um, but also helps me every day in terms of uh, what might come up that wasn't um, according to how I anticipated things happening that day. The law of no attachment. So I love that you just said that. I feel a kindred spirit to you. That's uh, It has gotten me through some of the most challenging times in my life and made me really change my mind and adopt not just the words, but the practice of just accepting and knowing that this will change and you can learn something from everything. So I think that's one amazing, surprising fact that you threw in there as you mm -hmm. answered my question about setbacks. But I also want to know, is there something people who know you don't know about you? Oh, wow. Um, there's probably a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I would say something um, people that don't know me well uh, wouldn't know um, is that um, I was in a movie. Oh, wow. Uh, so there was, a, there was a movie made now three or four years ago that premiered at South by Southwest in Austin. A lot of fun. Um, but it's called Silicon Cowboys. Uh, it's a documentary, actually, about the compact story. It was made by an um, Academy Award-nominated director. Um, I got to go back to Compact after having not been there for quite a long time, uh, reunite with our founder and some other people. Uh, and it, it was just terrific. And I, I loved every minute of it. Um, it, was, uh, it was a really great experience. How um, a lot of people that... Mm -hmm. yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. What role did you play? Well, it was a documentary, so I played me. Yay! Uh, and you, you, can, you can get it on, I think it's available on Netflix now. For sure it's available on iTunes, but I'm pretty sure Netflix. Um, and it, it's, it's really interesting, to, the whole story of, of why Compaq was as successful as it was, which was in part product market fit, right, which is true for all businesses, but also the, the way that the company was run uh, and the, the values of the organization was great. I think um, maybe someone who, who knows the compact story part of me, many, many people know I grew up in, in West Texas in the oil fields, um, but my, uh, almost no one knows my grandfather was a wildcatter uh, during the first oil boom in East Texas back in the wow. early part of the 20th century. And so um, I come by, uh, by oil and football, um, honestly. <laughs> well, I'm a good Southern woman who loves um, football for sure. Um, <clears throat> I also understand the need for fossil fuels. And as we transition out of that, we're never going to do away with that completely. So I, I don't want to ever slam oil and gas, uh, but I'm a big fan of alternatives. So um, absolutely. I, I hope we would take uh, better care of our, uh, our limited resource. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, my husband used to be the COO of an energy company. So um, 
I'm very much a fan of protecting our environment, and uh, I understand the unrealistic uh, viewpoint that you have to do away with, you know, it can't be exclusive. There are no absolutes, you know, so. Right, but well, we shouldn't be making plastic bags from it. I can, I can Agreed. Say that certainty. Yeah. I think this pandemic is going to help eliminate that as well. Um, yeah, this pandemic has been quite an exercise in self-exploration for many or um, self-actualization for many. Um, it hasn't hurt me as much as it's hurt some because I am accustomed to working from home. But mm -hmm. I recall my first six months of owning my own business and working from home that I went through the same, you know, mental, intellectual, spiritual, emotional struggles that people are going through now. Um, and that was without having my husband and my son constantly <laughs> in the house with me. So uh, sometimes I come in here and I just talk to the laptop so they think I'm recording. <laughs> just to get a little private time. <laughs> you, you have them trained to be quiet when you're recording, I take yes. it. Yes, yes. So, um, well, you're one, one amazing woman, and I totally look forward to growing this um, new relationship, and I hope that you will turn to me if you ever have any questions. Um, I may be able to help you, and the likelihood of knowing someone who would help you or that you could help is very great, considering my... Um, I have a very broad network. Um, I actually recently hosted a show called Calm, Cool, and Connected um, because, mm. yeah, we are now having to connect and build relationships through Zoom. That's my platform of choice. And, um, yeah, and so how do we do that and still maintain our genuine self and own our story and be authentic and real and raw? And what I do for a living incorporates a lot of nonverbal communications training and learning from body language and gender-based comms and all that. So it's going to be a transition for me too to um, no longer be able to go do these sessions in person and have them be so interactive and such. So we're all learning through this. Um, can you share with me a lesson you have learned in this uh, stay-at-home order or in, at least in our state, it's shelter in place order by the governor. Um, and it mm. has been since March 16th. Um, so what have you learned in this time? Yeah, so I'm into my fifth week. Um, we were a little uh, later than I think we might have been in, in my state. Uh, but we, we self-secluded about five weeks ago now. Um, and. I, like you, am accustomed to working from home. Zoom's been my platform of choice for a long time because it works, uh, I think, arguably uh, better than many of the others that I tried. Okay. Um, but as my, as my bio says on my website, I live in Jupiter, Florida, but I most often found a loft in C2C. Well, that's not true now, right? So I haven't been on a plane in five weeks, which is maybe the longest time in my adult life that that's been true. Uh, and so the the gift back to me has been that I have all of this, this time back uh, yeah. that I have been using in, in traveling. And um, so I, I actually just wrote an article for, uh, for HBR Ascend about um, what I've relearned about my time. And so that's been the big lesson is that I, I, when I left Compaq and I, I took my self-funded sabbatical, um, I really paid attention to what time of day did I like to do things? What time of day was I created? What time I did it? What day did I have the big ideas? What time of day 
you know, did I, was I best at exercising, right? All those things. And then over the last many years, I strayed from that. And I knew from time to time. And so I would make sort of minor adjustments, but sort of never back to the core question of, you know, are you, are you doing the, are you being effective with your time right now? Um, and so I've relearned some of those lessons over the past several weeks and it's been amazing. Very so I'm, nice. definitely lo- I'm definitely looking to us getting back to quote life as usual, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, but there are less, there are lessons here around my time um, that I'll take with me. So when I worked in Boston in financial services, many, many, many years ago, um, I had a CEO at a research firm tell me, you know, Susan, for you to be successful in life, he knew I wanted to be a career woman. He said, if you want to be successful in life, you must learn to manage your attention as well as you manage your time. And I think that's mm, what you just learned. That's a beautiful, yeah. Yeah, I never forgot that. And I forever think about, you know, we carve out an hour of our day on our calendar to do X. We don't even remember what X is. But have we carved out any time on our calendar to do something that's exponentially more important than X? Um, so I always think about that phrase and I love that you are living it. So good lessons hmm. learned there. Yeah. Um, well, thank I you. I will imagine. use your phrase. <laughs> oh, do it. Go ahead. Well, it's not mine. It's his. And I don't even know if it's truly his. Someone else may have told him to. He actually was one of the very first at IBM, my, this man I'm referring to. Um, hmm. He wrote, um, oh my God, what was that database? It started with a P, um, Pardue or Par, Par, I can't recall, but he was quite like you, a genius in the field. Um, so let me ask you this, genius in the field. If people want to know more about you or reach you, um, how would they do that? Oh, thanks. Um, so my website is the easiest place, which is just karenwalker.us. Uh, all traditional spelling there, karenwalker.us. Uh, or on all the social media platforms on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, it's just Karen Walker US. Nice. Um, and you can you can learn more both about my corporate work, but also uh, my coaching work. I, I'm an author. I speak, um, and I um, I'm a board advisor. So uh, a lot of different avenues um, for uh, for me to work with people. Well, you know, my show always has remarkable men and women on it, and I always invite um, women who are well known to share their message even more broadly. And those who are not, but should be, so I shine a light on them and give them a voice. Um, but rarely are there guests where I would consider someone I think of as an advisor or someone I would go to personally for guidance. And you have hit the, the winning number. So <laughs> I think that um, if you're open to it, I would put you on my list of people for me personally to call um, for a tip here and there. Absolutely. Um, I really appreciate um, our conversation. Uh, It's been enjoyable and um, I would love to spend more time speaking with you. Sure. So tell me um, before we hang up, folks, I'm going to put all this information, Karen's bio, um, her book covers and a link to where you can buy the book in the podcast. And you'll get to know Karen a little better, not only through this podcast, but through the candid shots that I asked her to share with me and I will share with you on my website. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and for making such great recommendations and telling such a great, powerful story. Oh, thank you again for having me on. I'll talk to you again soon, I hope. You bet. 
Have a good day, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.